0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager. Go, man! I'll do
1: You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, you just have to take a deep breath after the most recent 30 hours in 49ers land to just let everything process. You have to say, one of the most eventful 30 hours in franchise history. They literally have gotten kicked out of their home county, and then they get kicked out on their way to L.A. while they're on the plane to play a game that they have to win to begin salvaging a broken, nightmarish season. And then the 49ers turn around and beat the team that was leading the division on the road, the Rams, 23-20, to to possibly begin salvaging this season. But they have to fly back to... San Jose and Santa Clara County in time to touch down before midnight so they don't have to quarantine for two weeks there because they're going to have to leave in all likelihood based on what's happening. And they don't know where that home will be for sure yet. So, Matt, did I just cover everything that happened in the last 30 hours? Because I know it's been a lot. I might have missed something. But, uh, you know, amidst all of the craziness, the 49ers beat the Rams. They upset the Rams on a last-second field goal from Robbie Gold.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it's been an emotional couple of weeks, really. I mean, it, it's, it sort of started with the, the loss to the Saints, uh, a game that the 49ers felt they could have won had they uh, taken better care of the ball. And then they have all these guys go on the COVID list uh, in, in, the, in the following days, nine guys total. Uh, so that a week ago, last weekend, they wouldn't have been able to feel the team. I mean, uh, their injuries plus all the, the COVID guys. Uh, so there were, there were question marks there. And then, as you know, <laughs> there's, this, there's this body blow that they get as they're boarding the plane on Saturday that uh, they may have to spend the month of December. It's kind of a, a important month for families uh, away from their families, on the road somewhere. Uh, and be road warriors basically for the entire month of December. Uh, so uh, when they got this win, I think that was they took out some of their frustration, some of that emotion on the Rams. They they were definitely the more energetic of the two teams to begin with, Dennis. You know, with, with all that grief and strife and frustration, they have to be feeling pretty good right now. I mean, you always feel good after a win. Um, that they could uh, piece together a win against the, you know, what would have been probably the best team in the division uh, is even sweeter.
3: And on top of that, it's a divisional game, and it, it's starting to kind of look like Robert Sala really has the Rams' number because cause the defense always plays well against the Rams. And uh, on top of everything this season, the injuries, the COVID list, and then getting on an airplane and uh, finding out that you can't even come back to your home state and practice and play uh like you said uh, this is going to be a very important next three weeks if the 49ers want to kind of compete and hopefully get a playoff berth so a lot of adversity and you know this team goes out and they they play the Rams well they dominated the first half third quarter was a little scary but then you see Nick Mullins kind of calm down and not let it get get to him and Make some pretty key passes and, and go down and, and actually takes the offense down in the fourth quarter with under a minute and, and Robbie Gould kicks that field goal. So showed me a lot of character today and, you know, all the adversities. And I mean, usually a win kind of solves everything. But, you know, you get a win and now you're on the airplane and I'm sure the organization is kind of rustling around trying to figure out what the next steps are. I mean, do you land, pack a suitcase and take off or you figure out something else? So even more challenges for this 49ers team and organization moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think they're literally on the plane as we speak or probably about the land right now as we speak on Sunday night after the game Uh not fully sure of what's coming next because they're still trying to work with Santa Clara County. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, obviously not a fan of what Santa Clara County did. He did not mince words in his post-game press conference, so I don't know if that bridge is still there or if that bridge has been burned, but the 49ers obviously felt blindsided when they were flying to L.A. is when they found out through Twitter that uh, this ban was going down on professional sports for 21 days in Santa Clara County. So John Lynch actually had to get on the intercom in the plane and explain to the players, explain to the coaches what was going on uh, you know, He didn't really know. They didn't know where they're going to be playing. Now it looks like a leader in the clubhouse might be Arizona for at least a week, but nobody's 100% sure, so the 49ers may be out of state. You're right, Dennis. They may just be going home to pack up really quick and turn around and head elsewhere. Uh, it certainly looks like they won't be able to host Monday Night Football against the Bills at Levi's Stadium, and that's going to be the next game. But it, it, let's shift to the football because what happened on the field today was very impressive. 49ers are now 5-6. and six. They're trying to climb out of the hole, uh, they beat one of the most balanced teams in football today. I mean, this is the same Rams team that on Monday night went into Tampa Bay and and got a nice, well-rounded victory over the Buccaneers. The 49ers just beat the Rams for the second time this season. They've only allowed two offensive touchdowns to the Rams this season. And they needed absolutely every bit of reinforcements that they got. Uh, Remember, Trent Williams ended up being able to play in this game. You got Richard Sherman back for the 49ers. You saw Raheem Mostert come back. Jeff Wilson came back. So did Debo Samuel. And Matt, they won by the very skin of their teeth. 23-20. Both teams averaged exactly five yards a play, and every single yard that the 49ers got mattered. So, in a game that they, you know, really had to have to stay alive in this season, um, th- they hung on for dear life by the very skin of their teeth, and they were able to get it done.
2: Yeah, and uh, 133 of those yards came via Debo Samuel, and uh, that last pass that he caught, I think it was only for for four yards, but, um, you know, uh, the the 49ers wanted to get Robbie Gold as close to the end zone as possible for his uh, game-winning attempt, so... Um, each of those yards, you're right, was, was important. And uh, I agree with Dennis. That that last drive, I mean, I thought that uh, Nick Mullins was, for most of this game, um, overmatched. I mean, I, I thought that Aaron Donald was going to be the, the player of the game, that he was going to be the story, the, the 49ers interior line, exterior line, the, the tackles, could not stop this guy all game. And he was just dominating, and uh, he was uh, wreaking havoc on poor Nick Mullins, who couldn't do anything about it. Uh, but when they absolutely had to have it, the 49ers, A, got a stop on defense, forcing the Rams to punt on their final offensive possession, and then put together that, that wonderful drive, which included, I think, three passes to, to Debo Samuel, a, uh, a key fourth-and-one run by Kyle Yuschek he now has nine carries on the season. That's a uh, career high for him. Uh, and then Robbie Gold's 42-yarder. Uh, so to me, the game was—it started out a lot like the Saints game where the 49ers were the more energetic team, the more physical team early. They took a lead early. The defense looked good. But this time, they they lost the lead, but they were able to get it back. And I thought that that showed a lot of grit. Uh, and good for Nick Mullins. He, he's taken a beating these last two games. Uh, so I'm I'm glad he finally came out of one of these with a W.
3: Yeah, and you listen back to some of our our podcasts we we talked about this game because you're going to get some of these key players back, and boy did they show up! Raheem Moster, Debo, Sherman coming back, all these guys made impacts in this football game. Debo had his career day. I think he had you know ten catches for 130 something yards. So if you watch this kid, he's a, he's an amazing player. I mean, he plays with such attitude, and when he catches the ball, there's no doubt he's not going to get knocked backwards. He's always going to fall forward and get those extra yards. And we got to talk about this young defensive line. I mean, we've been we've talking about Nick Bosa and a, and a D4 not being there. But uh, Kerry Hyder Jr., I mean, he's leading the team in sacks right now. He had two sacks tonight, and I think a fumble recovery. You know, we saw what uh, Kinlaw did, you know, that interception for a touchdown. That's huge for a defensive lineman. Kevin Gibbons, all these guys... Are starting to develop and, and really starting to show up for the party. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, as you get more weapons back and, and guys get healthier and guys get more reps, I mean, you got to be excited for this last run. And and I'm just hoping this team is building on this win tonight uh, and just taking game for game, even all the the adversities. You have to focus on playing each game like it's going to be your last game, and then you look up and you've won five, six games.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point, Dennis. Each game is a successive chapter added onto the full novel. You can't you know, finish the book in September and, and say, oh, hey, Kevin Givens, he's good against the run, can't really rush the passer. I mean, that's what you would have said, you know, on September 20th about the 49ers, but boy today, a guy like Kevin Givens is terrorizing the quarterback. He had a couple great pass rush moves today and on the Javon Kinlaw pick six, which was one of the plays of the 49ers season so far, he's the one that hit Jared Goff and and forced that pick six. So all of a sudden now, you're moving into December and Kevin Givens is a real pass rusher against the good Rams offensive line that's been playing well this season. I thought Eric Armstrong that got to the quarterback today. Uh, Kerry Hyder, two more sacks. That's got to be the best bang for your buck deal in all football. The four, he's getting paid, what, one or two million dollars this year? And just racking up sack after sack, pressure after pressure. I mean, th- this defensive line has gelled even without Nick Bosa, and they're playing their best football this the season. And hey, we, we cannot... You know, go through this podcast without mentioning that the 49ers were coming off a bye and the, and the Rams were on a short week. The 49ers finally had the advantage of legs, they had rest, they had some guys back, and it's no coincidence that they look, you know, like that very strong football team that went all the way to the Super Bowl last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they don't have the quarterback back yet, but I think, Matt, this is where the big picture comes in. Nick Mullins, to me, is a guy that can win you one, maybe two games against a quality defense a year. That's it. I mean, he's a backup. He's got the ceiling, especially behind an offensive line that doesn't pass protect well. Right. But we, we've we seen Nick Mullins do it before. Think 2018 against the Seahawks. Same kind of game. He got it done, set Robbie Gold up for a game-winning field goal at the end. He did it again for the 49ers, but you have to zoom out. You don't expect Mullins to take and, and win too many more of these But if Jamie Garoppolo does come back, if George Kittle does come back, all Nick Mullins has to do is build a bridge to them. And maybe that bridge only has to be one more game against Buffalo.
2: Yeah, and they've got a nice uh, rest before that game as well. And and Dennis was talking about the guys who came back for this one, Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Wilson. There should be a a trio for, for the Bills game too, the guys who are still on the COVID list. That's DJ Jones, a starter, Jordan Willis, who's shown some nice things off the edge, and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, who would pair very nicely with Debo Samuel? So that's that's the Bills game. The week after that, maybe that's the Washington game, and maybe you get Ben Garland and Kwan Williams back for for that game. Uh, I think Williams will be really missed uh, by the time that that game rolls around, considering Jamar Taylor's uh, injury today. And then the week after that, that's the game in Dallas, and and I think that's the probably the first week that's realistic for. Garoppolo to be back. So yeah, I mean, if you keep hanging around, I mean, they're they're only one game behind the Cardinals right now. And uh, the Cardinals are in that seventh and final spot as of right now for the, the playoffs. So It's not far-fetched that the 49ers could uh, win a couple games and and be right there. I mean, right there tied uh, for that final spot. And um, that's what they're looking for. And if they are there after Garoppolo comes back, then you're talking about George Kittle possibly being back in the end of December. And then all of a sudden, it gets really interesting because that's, that's all of a sudden a good team again. No Nick Bosa, a couple of guys won't be back, but they could have a decent chunk of their not only their roster, but their talent base back at the end of December. So flickering playoff hopes, but they're still alive thanks to this win.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
3: Talk about Nick Mullins. He, you know, he is what he is, and, and I think he is a backup quarterback. I think he's getting better. He frustrates me a lot because some of the balls, it looks like you know he's not seeing the defense. You know, he throws into triple coverage. Sometimes he needs to take a sack. It feels like it, and sometimes he's, you know, he, you see him throw a ball as someone's, you know, on his back or about to hit him, and he and, and it's off or it's it's too high. But uh, he showed me something tonight, like I said at the beginning. I mean, in the fourth quarter, he he seemed like he was on his game and, and some of those throws and, and that's what frustrates me about him. You'll see some of these throws and you're like, wow, that is exactly where the ball needs to be. Uh, then you have these other balls that are too high or behind and you know he throws the interception. So you know, I, I think Nick Mullins is what Nick Mullins is. and, and I think you're right, Dave. I think' he's, he's only got so many of these wins under his under his belt or his ability to to win these big games, but tonight it all worked out. But he he just frustrates the heck out of me because when the ball is snapped and it's a passing, I just don't know where the ball is going to go, and I don't and I'm waiting for that pick six or I'm waiting for that interception. So he's got to get more consistent for me. But he is, you know, I, you got him or, or C J. Beathard, which I think is the same player. So you have what you have. Uh, and I was kind of thinking, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo would be back in the Buffalo game, but uh, it sounds like it's not till the Dallas game later. But, you know, it's that's your quarterback room. You have to go with it, but he frustrates the heck out of me.
1: Well, you know, I talk about building that bridge to later. I think the Washington and the Dallas games are really winnable. Then, obviously, you finish the season with Arizona and Seattle. Those, I think you 100% are going to need Jimmy Garoppolo for. So, that leaves – this next game against Buffalo, a good team as that one where it's still going to be tricky to build that bridge without Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't know what the timetable is. It started at four to six weeks. It's going to be exactly five weeks once the Monday night game against Buffalo hits. So, We'll see where Jimmy is. I think the 49ers are adamant about getting him 100% this time because Garoppolo's not at 100%. I mean, if this team really wants to make a deep run, get to the playoffs, and then do something, they can't have Garoppolo hobbling around, you know, throwing off one foot and throwing floaters in the air. They're going to need him healthy. So I think they're just going to push all the chips into that basket, and that means if he's not 100% for next Monday, it's going to have to be Mullins. And the 49ers can help Mullins out by – better pass blocking I thought today they're facing the most dominant player in football and in, in Aaron Donald and they had to face him with Colton McKivitz, a rookie making his first start at right guard Matt you have to feel that that situation is only going to get better because you don't see 99 on the other side anymore next week even though Buffalo you know can get after the quarterback a little bit but you don't see Donald and McKivitz won't be making his first start anymore. Maybe Tom Compton will be back. I don't know how they're going to play that. But uh, if you're the 49ers, if you're looking at this optimistically, you have to say today was the steepest challenge that there's going to be uh, for them, hopefully, for the rest of Mullen's tenure as the starter until Garoppolo comes back.
2: Yeah, I hope that Dennis's uh, debut against Jackie Slater went better than McKibbitz debut today against Aaron Donald. He's not That's... going to forget this game for the rest of his life. And I know Dennis didn't forget his debut either, but um, he was not I, good. You know what? I, mean, I,
3: I thought about that during the game. I was yeah. thinking about that situation exactly. Yeah. But go on. Yes.
2: Well, I mean, uh, he, he just got beat. He just got whipped. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, the the intricacies of offensive line work, but obviously they were trying to double. Aaron Donald up, but he just got past the right guard so quickly that Brunskill couldn't move over. Uh, uh, Mike McGlinchey had trouble one-on-one against uh, Aaron Donald uh, on a prominent play, uh, Raheem Mostert's fumble, but he also couldn't get over to to give him enough help. Uh, That's how quick Aaron Donald is. I mean, that's that's the player. That's what makes him special. He's got that combination of uh, just pure speed rusher plus all that power. Uh, but uh, McGivitt's really struggled today. So yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, he's going to enjoy uh, watching whoever his counterpart is um, uh, on the Bills because it's not going to be Aaron Donald but Dennis what do you recall from that uh, that Jackie Slater he he hit you in the helmet right didn't he hit you like right away on the side of the helmet
3: Jackie Slater's signature moves was a headbutt oh the headbutt yeah and you think about playing football and getting a headbutt I never thought it was possible but the first snap of the game he headbutted me and you know if you get headbutted right at the at the crown of your helmet it, it tends to ring in your ear uh, because you're, cause an offensive lineman, you know, the face mask is going to hit face mask and then the, the sure pressure of it or the power of it is going to leave a ring in. And I couldn't believe that that was his technique. And I was told several times by defensive line coach uh, Tommy Hart that that's what he was going to do exactly what he did but yeah all of Fame player and I learned a lot from Jackie Slater and I think Colton might learn a lot from Aaron Donald because in the third quarter there Aaron he pretty much took over the game I think he had that that strip sack then he came back and had another sack so you know you, you get those opportunities to play against great players and you just gotta gotta learn from it but you know that first game against the Rams you didn't hear much about him this game here He definitely, you know, made a difference as far as that defensive front went and and kind of dominating the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the first game, the 49ers were really able to play it on their terms, right? And and, uh, they had all those Debo runs and Raheem Mostert runs in the first half. And they got uh, Donald playing back on his heels. Uh, Today, Aaron Donald was more in attack mode. I think it's, you know, it just illustrates the value of Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, George Kittle. I thought the biggest play in the first matchup was uh, when Garoppolo hit Kittle for the touchdown, and they really burned the Rams' blitz. And what that did is it really made the Rams think twice about – blitzing that hard and that you know just has a self-fulfilling effect it sets up the run game it keeps guys like Donald back on their heels and Nick Mullins when he's missing those passes to Jordan Reed when he's not really getting it done with his arm it allows the Rams to really just prime more for the run game and that's a great example you know when Mostert fumbles that's because Aaron Donald is just shooting through that gap and and knocking the ball out so 49ers didn't have the personnel to keep the Rams as off balance today but still somehow some way they got it done In that ugly fashion. And, uh, you know, one guy we haven't talked too much about, Richard Sherman. This is who I wrote about. Guys, I just think that Richard Sherman is so important to this team in ways that transcend X's and O's. And he was huge as far as X's and O's go today. He baited Jared Goff into an interception, which he credited Jimmy Ward for because Ward covered underneath man so well and confused Goff. So Sherman comes back, hasn't played since week one, delivers a pick what you expect the future Hall of Famer to do, and then he leads the team with seven tackles. I mean, the 49ers came out hitting hard today. They came out physical, and uh, you know, I guess we shouldn't expect anything different from Richard Sherman. A lot of people thought he might get eased back in. No, he he shows up, picks off a pass, leads the team in tackles, and then is the most forceful voice in the postgame press conference at a time that the 49ers really uh, you know, need that kind of veteran leadership. I thought that Sherman's return... Um, paved the way for the Forty ers to, you know, have that defensive performance, especially since they lost their nickelback, Jamar Taylor, because Sherman came back. Emmanuel Mosley was able to to play nickel, Matt.
2: Yeah, I thought that both Sherman and Jason Barrett, the the two outside cornerbacks, had had really strong games today. Um, I thought everybody in the secondary did, except for Tarvarius Moore, and uh, you know he was coming off that nice game against New Orleans, and it looked like the Forty ers had really found a, a great. Um, formula for that, that secondary, uh, especially the, the safety duo. But Moore struggled in the same area he struggled in uh, when he started those three games at the start of last season, which is coming up and, and making a tackle on a ball carrier. He just he just freezes at, at the last minute uh, when, when he's supposed to do that. And uh, I don't know if it's bad angles. I don't know if it's an uh, aggressiveness problem. But both on that... Uh, it was the 33 yard uh, catch and run by Cooper Cup. Took a bad angle, and uh, Cup got you know, another 10 yards at the end of that. And then the, the 61 yard run by Cam Akers. He just totally whiffed on that one. So that's, uh, that's an issue. I mean, you're supposed to be the eraser back there, along with Jimmy Ward. You're both kind of playing that quasi strong uh, free safety role. And um, it's a bit of a, a pick-your-poison issue with, with the two candidates there uh, to to possibly take over for Jagowski tart who's going to be a, a free agent in March. You've got Marcel Harris, who's really good at tackling, really good along the line of scrimmage, but struggles in pass coverage. And then you've got Moore, who's the exact opposite. Excellent deep down the field. You saw him running stride for stride with one of the, the Rams receivers on a deep ball today, but he's no good at tackling, uh, especially coming up and tackling along the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's, that's going to be something that the 49ers have to work out, and maybe the, they do it by who the opponent is. I mean, if it's a, a team that runs the ball, you play Marcel Harris. If it's a team that throws the ball, you play Tarvarius Moore, but um, he sort of stuck out to me on an otherwise uh strong secondary today.
3: Yeah, and just having Richard Sherman on the on a football field helps the secondary a lot because I think he is a quarterback in that secondary and I think he also brings confidence, you know, once he's when he when he's in a football game. I just look at the way Jimmy Ward played today. I mean this guy was flying around and I don't know what, what his how many tackles he had, but He seemed to be flying around, and he had, you know, great on-the-run support. I I think he caused a fumble. Uh, He was just flying around. And I think, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman, and, you know, it's great when he's on the field. It seems like he's off the field more, more than he's on the field. But when he's on the field, I think that secondary just has confidence because your general's there. And and, and if something's going to fall apart, there's a couple of broken plays today. The big gash plays were usually you know, breakdowns in the secondary. But I think overall that secondary played well, and I think it's because they had their general back on the field.
1: Yeah, and they also have that pass rush is really starting to, to come to life. It's turned into a decent pass rush. It's no longer just Kerry Heider and – a bunch of no names not doing anything I mean these guys are developing names Armstead has obviously gotten a lot of attention this year because he was the only one with real name recognition after uh, Bosa and Ford went down but I, I I just feel he's making noise and you can't talk enough about Kevin Givens and obviously you got Kinlaw with the with the pick six and they did it without DJ Jones too who they should be getting back shortly so um, it's it's one of those where uh, it, I mean I hate to say this because this season Matt wrote about it on Saturday is a sinkhole you know kind of effect something good happens for the 49ers they lose another guy um, t- today they they obviously lost uh, Jamar Taylor but if you look at it in, in the big picture they'll be getting Kwan Williams back toward the end of the season and they can survive the nickel absence right now because of Sherman's return and Mosley in there so slowly but surely if if luck and fortune just somehow some way just a bit turn around for this team they should get healthier uh, as this moves forward and I, I put the biggest asterisk by that because I know I've said it a million times but they should get healthier and then they have the bills coming up next and that's going to be uh, fascinating to talk about and any final thoughts Matt I know we're about to embark on one of the m- most unprecedented uh, weeks or months or you know ends of the season in 49ers history, we don't know where they're going to be playing or practicing for certain, uh, but th- this is certainly going to be uh, something that we've never experienced before coming covering the NFL. So uh, I-, I think for the 49ers sake, it's good that they got a win under their belt heading into what's going to be a really trying time.
2: I think the irony is that they'll truly have uh, somewhat of a home field advantage, at least to uh, fans in the in the stands if they do play in either Arizona or, or Texas. And I think the leading candidate is Arizona. Um, but, you know, the, the reason why you play there and, and why you may be practicing there as well, is because those states have more relaxed rules when it comes to, to COVID. And uh, that means that uh, they'll have fans in the stands for, for a home game, uh, which uh, a lot of us, including the players have, have noted is, is pretty alarming when they, they come out there for, You know, uh, player introductions, uh, you know, the fireworks go off and like there's just silence. Um, So it's a bit unnerving. Um, So that'll be interesting. Um, You know, I I think it's, uh, you know, I don't want to say likely, but I think probably the prevailing scenario right now is that they play these uh, at least these next two games against Buffalo against Washington in Uh, Arizona in the Cardinals Stadium. Um, The Cardinals and the 49ers don't share any home dates the whole season. So that tells me that, you know, this was the contingency all along, uh, that if uh, California, which is more strict when it comes to this kind of stuff, shut down the the sports teams there, that, uh, you know, the 49ers could play in Arizona and maybe the Rams could play in, in Texas and so on and so forth. So that seems to be the, the top contingency. I just wonder whether the 49ers will end up practicing in Arizona as well. So they'll head to Arizona, I don't know, uh, Wednesday and not come back perhaps until the end of December. Uh, th- that's, uh, that's a plausible scenario right now.
3: Speaking as a former player, as long as you got your same routine, yeah, you're away from your family, you're away from your friends, uh, but if you have your same routine, if coaches can, you know, practice schedules, the treatments, the, the workouts, the film study. As a player, as long as your routine's not really broken up too much, you can still kind of focus on preparing for a football game. So this is the world we live in. And the precautions are put in place for a reason. So, you know, it, it, you have to be in one of the, the the toughest counties, you know, in the whole deal. So you have to kind of ob- obey by you know the rules and the regulations but it's all for safety so i mean it's it's football i mean at the end of the day you line up and you play football uh and as an athlete you know all you need is a place uh and a time and an opponent on an opponent on the other side and and you just play football
1: and that's exactly what richard sherman said in his post-game press conference i think that's that's a perfect way to end it he said it was the status quo that was the only way we could treat it you can't worry about things that are out of your control that's when you get messed up, worried about the outside distractions. We were in L.A. We had a game ahead of us. That's all we could focus on. When you step in between those lines, everything is understood. Everything is still football. And then at, at the very end, he said, I've been playing football for 25 years or so. Sometimes an absence, an injury can bring back a fire, the passion you have for a game. I was just humbled for the opportunity to go out there and ball out with the teammates." It was a pleasure. I thought his quote just kind of encapsulated the whole mood. The 49ers have a ton going on, but they simplified it. They had fun playing football, and they won. They got to do that more now, so we'll see. Anyway, 49ers 23, Rams 20. It was a pleasure doing the podcast with you guys. For uh, Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys in the middle of the week, and the 49ers may be located in a different state by then, so make sure you listen. There's a lot going on.